Welcome to Community Chats, an interview series elevating the voices of community leaders in the Lafayette Oxford University community, an initiative of the University of Mississippi Office of Community Engagement and the Lafayette Oxford Foundation for Tomorrow. All righty, everyone, good afternoon. We are so delighted to welcome you to an extra special edition of Community Chats. As y'all know, Community Chats comes to you every Wednesday and Friday, and I'm joined by my colleagues today, as I am on most Wednesdays and Fridays, Dr. Jody Holland and Aaron Pizer O. But today we are joined by 15 other incredible people from the Lafayette Oxford University community. Some faces will be familiar to you as you've heard them on Community Chats, or more likely you know them from around the community and the great work that they're doing. We're so delighted to come to you today um, as part of the Night for Nonprofits initiative that's sponsored by Lafayette Oxford Foundation for Tomorrow, LOFT. I want to encourage all of our listeners to go to the LOFT website, check out the videos that our awesome nonprofit leaders have recorded. You have such a treasure chest there of awesome information about good work that's happening in the Lafayette Oxford University community. So please take a few minutes, go to the LOFT website and check out those interviews. For those of you who are tuning in with us today, who are hearing this on the podcast, some of that material and some of the great work that you heard about in those videos will be covered. You will be able to hear from these extraordinary leaders uh, this afternoon about the great work they're doing in the LOU community. Uh, and we will just spend the bulk of our time today hearing from them. So I'm going to go ahead uh, and transition it over. Uh, to Dr. Jody Holland, who will tell you a little bit about this particular event, our extra special edition of Community Chats and some of our sponsors. Hey, thanks, Anthony. I just want to welcome everyone here and thank you guys for participating in this. Um, we're just excited about the Night for Nonprofits. Uh, you guys did a great job putting your videos together and sharing those videos. We've got over 5,000 views now uh, on those videos. So if you're watching this in the community, uh, please go watch those videos. Go donate to some of these organizations, all of these organizations. We'll talk more about that as we go through the process in this interview here. But I can't move on through this without highlighting some of the sponsors who are our stay-at-home sponsors like the Sullivan Foundation and, and Doug Atkinson, Jack Garner, uh, Tom and Dotsie Fitz, Helen Overstreet, B&B Concrete, uh, Proud Larry's, Sneed's Ace Hardware, The Pantry, um, Next Gear Solutions, and FNB Oxford Bank. Those are just great uh, um, sponsors for us to put this on and to host a lot of the stuff that we're doing here. So they, they do a lot in our community and we really wanna appreciate them and tell them about, I mean, and highlight their name in this uh, interview. Um, you know, through this process, we, when we started pivoting and trying to understand how we're gonna do a virtual night for nonprofits, we weren't really sure how this was gonna work. And it's been seamless and great. And it's because the leadership and the innovation of these executive directors that you're about to meet here. And I just wanna make sure that you guys realize that in the community, that these individuals are just so impactful and inspiring. So Aaron, I hope you can take a minute to introduce them. Sure, so at this point in time, we would like for each of the executive directors that are here tonight to introduce themselves and uh, for the sake of convenience, I will call on people since we're all in different places on different screens. But I'll ask Denise if she would start it off. Good afternoon. 
my name is Denise Strube, and I'm the director of the North Mississippi Exchange Family Center, and it's a part of the National Exchange Club uh, Prevention of Child Abuse Network of Centers. Great. And next, I'll call on Matt. Hi, I'm Matt Weimer. I'm the associate director of the Oxford Film Festival. Hi, Matt. Great to have you with us. Pleasure to be here. Hello, everyone. My name is Knorris Wilson. I'm the director of the LOU Barstale Boys and Girls Clubhouse here in Oxford, Mississippi. Glad to be here. And this is Braylon Robinson, our youth of the year. Oh, fantastic. Well, special welcome to you both. Mary Margaret. I'm Mary Margaret Andrews, the executive director of Doors of Hope. Sarah. I'm Sarah McClellan, and I'm the director of the Lafayette County Literacy Council. Great to see you, Sarah. Megan. Hey, I'm Megan Hodge. I'm the project's chair for Junior Auxiliary of Oxford. Betsy. Hi, I'm Betsy Chapman. I'm the director of Oxford Community Market. Wayne. Hi, I'm the executive director of Yakna Vatafa Arts Council, and we do arts and community programming from the Powerhouse, the Old Armory Pavilion, and the Lafayette County Arena. Zell. Hello, I'm Zell Long. I'm the executive director of Boys and Girls Clubs for North Mississippi. That includes the LOU Barksdale Clubhouse. Great. Erin. Hey, my name is Erin Smith, and I'm the founding executive director for Casa of Lafayette County. And Alice. Good evening. I'm Alice Parati. I'm the executive director producer of Thacker Mountain Radio Hour. And Yolanda. Hello, I'm Yolanda Brunner-Wooten, the statewide coordinator for the LINK program with Canopy Children's Solutions. Lauren. Hey, I'm Lauren Collio. My video is not working, but I am the intern for under Jody and Elise for Lafayette Oxford Foundation for tomorrow. And Janice. I'm Janice Carr and I'm the executive director of the Gordon Community and Culture Center in Abbeville, Mississippi. Well, thank you and welcome to all of you. We are so glad to have you join us here tonight. Thank you, Aaron, and thanks to every one of y'all for making time to be here on the call this evening. Let's get started. Um, we're obviously living through um, unprecedented times. This is uh, an epoch that many of us will remember for a long, long time, probably the rest of our lives. We're all hopeful that we'll see the other side of it and we can return to some sense of normalcy in the coming months. But we want to start with the big question about how has your organization been affected? during this time of COVID-19. And you can talk about that in a variety of ways. Um, are there particular changes or modifications you've had to make to your program? Has it impacted your operations, your day-to-day -day work in some significant ways? Have you adapted and innovated in ways that you'd like to share with members of our community? How has COVID-19 affected your organization? 
Sarah, we'll start with you. Probably the biggest way it has affected the Literacy Council and probably a lot of the other nonprofits is, um, you know, financially. We had our annual fundraiser planned and we were unable to have that. That is um, Reads, Beats and Eats that we have every year. It's, you know, a big auction. And so we were unable to pull in the bulk of our money that is what funds the Dolly Parton Imagination Library Program. And it also funds our ABLE program. We were also unable to have the Children's Book Festival. Um, the spring is just whenever we have really our big events and it just really hit right at the time and we were unable to have two of our large events. Thank you, Sarah. Denise. Um, we also were impacted um, financially, but our organization, we work with uh, young mothers, teen mothers and uh, pregnant teens and our programs are based on being able to meet with them weekly and try and help them reduce stress and, and meet needs that they, educational needs. And of course, all of this just added extra stress. And in the first few weeks, it was very hard to find diapers and baby wipes and basic supplies that they needed. So that was really challenging for us, um, something that we were able to get through, but it, it took a lot of rethinking and, and uh, reaching out to our, our young mothers virtually and just, you know, driving by their houses and things like that. So very different. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Denise. Yolanda. Well, I know for us with Link being a new program, it rocked our worlds completely, completely rocked us because we were launched at the beginning of April right at the beginning of the first case in Mississippi, I think was March 11th. And we were in development then, in development then. So it completely rocked us. We were unable to actually market our program the way it actually needed to be marketed. And our program is a mobile program. They were gonna hit the roads running, reaching out to families pre-COVID, but of course, due to COVID, we weren't able to actually do that. So we're still in the process of trying to market and still stay safe with doing our marketing and meeting families and going to different centers. So it really has completely changed our program, but yet we're still adapting to it and able to still reach families. So we've wow. we helped basically, that's what we've had to do right now, especially with all of the wow. cases. Wow, thank you, Yolanda. Just resiliency in the face of, of, that, of that real challenge. Wayne. So yeah, it definitely had an impact on us as a, the Arts Council, we do a lot of uh, programming that's both educational and then community, things that are, people enjoy, like the Sunset Series. Uh, so we weren't able to gather. Uh, those things also like theater programs and classes are the revenue generators that sustain us throughout the year. Uh, so we weren't able to offer those programs, offer outreach programs and education programs uh, and summer programs. And what we then had to do was uh, kind of increase our investment as we pivoted uh, buying technology so we could move programming online. Um, and luckily, we were able to use the JE Pitts Fund to help seed some uh, funds to artists and restaurant employees who were impacted by the crisis. And we uh, hired them to do online programming and content, everything from culinary classes uh, to online uh, book and author talks and concerts and performances and theater. So we had a way to offer content. We had to 
buy extra technology to try and make that happen as uh, to make it as seamless as possible and the content uh, and quality of it um, work. Uh, then we had to learn the technology. So we uh, had a few trial and bumps and errors, but we were able to pivot. We were able to do some things, but of course revenue went down while expenses went up as we tried to continue to serve the community. So it's been an interesting challenge. Uh, something that I think hopefully will allow us to serve the community better in the future as we now have an ability to do online content, uh, but it's definitely made a challenge as we uh, try to sustain our operations and serve the community. Wow, thanks Wayne. It's, it's amazing how you're able to pivot and maybe even do some things that'll help you over the long term, but may have been more ideal to do them under a different set of conditions. Uh, Mary Margaret. So we had kind of a different scenario in that um, our phone started ringing off the hook. Um, we typically help maybe 20 to 25 families a year in our program. Uh, but with COVID-19, we have helped over 75 families so far since March um, pay rent and or utilities. Um, luckily, we had a fund set aside for um, a day like this. Uh, we quickly went through that fund and started fundraising um, and getting additional dollars to spend. Uh, we even got a um, United Way matching grant that has allowed us to continue to help families. Um, so really it, it went just, it blew up for us. Um, but we've, we've been really happy that we've been able to help as many families as we could. Thank you, Mary Margaret. Canoris. For the most part, um, you know, having to, to kind of pivot from our normal operations and stay within the CDC guidelines and uh, with us having to close and then once we re reopen, you know, trying to make sure that we have the necessities to maintain a safe and, and uh, sanitary environment. But at the same time, we had to, to cut down on our numbers, you know, to, to, to maintain that social distance. So, um, so, so not being able to serve that, uh, the normal number that we would normally serve, basically cut in half. Um, uh, you know, not being able to, to reach those, those children, such as Braylon who we try to provide us a safe and positive environment for them to come to do homework or to socialize with their friends while parents are doing work with or whatnot. But so financially, it's taken a, um, it, it hurt, hurt us, but we were able to kind of um, get back to somewhat of a norm for the summer program. Uh, and um, just, it, it's definitely taking a toll emotionally for me, you know, uh, not only my children, but the children of the other communities. Wow, thank you, Kenoris, and for stepping up during this tough time for our families who need it. And um, Aaron, we'll, we'll wrap up this question with you. Yeah, so um, things have just been really different for us. Um, you know, we, we work with children in foster care, and so, um, you know, we still have to help advocate for them even when we were having to shelter in place. And so, you know, throughout those, those first two, three months, uh, you know, tr trying to navigate and figure out how do we still see these children um, and uh, so we would do a lot of our visitations via Zoom, um, and then nothing's ever stopped for us, and, um, you know, it's just a matter of figuring out what, what resources are out there for our children, particularly our teenagers who have really struggled um, with their mental health of staying inside, not being able to get out um, outside or go and do things. Um, you know, these children, the children that we work with, typically their school is their safe place. And so not being able to go to school and, um, you know, 
then you have foster parents that are having to teach them online. Um, and that, that's different for them, um, you know, and they're, they're home 24-7. Uh, you know, I've gotten a question a lot that I bet y'all got a lot of kids in custody when, um, when we were all stuck at home. And actually, um, interestingly enough, we have gotten a significant amount in probably in the last month and a half. Um, whereas we didn't get them when, when everybody was stuck at home. So um, just really just navigating, uh, just how, how can we still continue to serve these children and how can we continue to keep them safe when we can't really lay eyes on them um, at person to person? Wow. We're going to get one more uh, comment from Matt in on this question and we'll pivot to the next. Matt, go ahead. So we were uh, preparing for this whenever the COVID hit. So all of there in February, we were monitoring it because we were going to be importing about 200 filmmakers from mostly the hotspot areas. So we bought gallons of hand sanitizers and wipes and everything to be safe just in advance. We got there before the rush, there was still toilet paper on the shelves. And we had to cancel the festival the Friday before everybody was like, the day before people were starting to arrive. Saturday, there were flights coming in and we had to start the reverse uh, of it so because that's when that was the same day that the uh, mandate came out of less than 50 and we were we were bringing in 200 people uh, on top of the thousands that come see us so uh, we had a 180 degree turn to go to virtual festival um, it, it took us um, so that way like it really allowed us to reach out to the people because everybody was stuck at home. All the people that were supposed to be at the festival, no matter where they were from, were in the same situation as us. And so the virtual festival helped us reach out. We had a lot of calls such as this, which each of the filmmakers and kind of fill out where they are and talk about their art that they were bringing to us and giving them an audience, uh, kind of a captive audience, if you will, to uh, show their films until we could get back out in reality. And then, we ended up pushing us towards um, the drive-in theater so that we could uh, fulfill our requirements to uh, actually have a festival. And so we've been running a drive-in theater for three months um, to great success, uh, giving people a safe way to get out and do something and not have to be exposed or worried about anything like that. And, you know, the kids need a, th a place, something to look forward to, you know, and uh, as everybody does. So. Uh, we're, we're ending up being luckier than most, um, to, uh, like we've grown, um, like we went from 3000 followers to over 10,000 and hopefully we've made people's lives a little bit better during this tough time. Thank you, Matt. And, and thanks to all of our nonprofit leaders, folks need y'all more than ever during this time. And to see the ways in which you've effectively pivoted is a real testament to your leadership and your resiliency. So thank you. And I'll, um, kick it over to Jody. Jody, you're on mute, buddy. If we were at the real, if we're at the real 99 province, we'd be at the powerhouse and it'd probably be 300 people or there. Um, this is a platform where, you know, like I said, already 5,000 people have watched this. Hopefully we can get that many more uh, to watch these videos. So I want to ask the question and, and be the cheerleader for you guys. Every one of these nonprofits need money. So if you're in the community, listen to this, please consider donating. But beyond that, what are the other needs that you guys have? Can y'all highlight that right now? Denise? Well, 
like I had said before, uh, of course, we ran into a situation where we needed diapers, which we still need, baby wipes, formula. Um, we, we found an unusual request that um, some of the young mothers who had younger siblings or um, also had, you know, children, one or two or three-year-olds, they needed activities to keep the kids occupied while they were quarantined in the, in the homes while the mothers went to school or, or went to, on a job. So we're looking for little activities. So we can always use those sort of um, items. Those are very helpful. Great, thank you. Alice, you said? Yeah, at Becker Mountain Radio, we were able to pivot too, to produce some in-studio shows. So. Our needs right now are primarily are, are financial needs um, to compensate for the loss of remote shows. But what we need right now is engagement in this new format. So we need you following along on our social media channels. And I know there's a lot of noise right now, but really relying on what I consider, you know, one of Mississippi's best uh, radio shows. It is Mississippi's best and broadest radio show. We're on Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Alabama Public Radio and we're, we have new content rolling out over social media that we're doing from home. The Ella Bushwhackers are producing a series of videos. So staying engaged with us in the new format is what we need to, um, you know, for the future. This is what it's going to look like for the next little bit. And as soon as we can get back to live shows in a, in a safe way, we are raring to do that. But um, what we need is for the Oxford audience and for our broadcast audience to keep tuning in, keep listening on the radio and finding new ways to do that. So listening parties at home or just staying engaged with us is, is really what we need at this point, Matt. Alice, thanks for sharing that. Yolanda, you had a comment. Well, at this point right now, we're needing to assist. It's not so much of what we're needing. We're needing to assist families and individuals. A lot of people don't know about our program and those resources that we actually have. We have family advocates and family navigators that are linked to families and assisting them with those needs. And I know Denise mentioned about those different resources and we're that program. That's what we do. We link family to those resources, to those, those essentials that they're needing every day. So for us, we're needing people to know about us so we can show them what it is that we do and what we're providing to those families statewide. And so I think that's very important. So for us right now, that's our main need. Great. Well, thanks for letting us know that. Um, Wayne. Yeah, so um, we've done a lot of to-go educational materials uh, as we're not able to gather in sites. So if people can help us assemble like our literary kits uh, that contain books, journals, writing prompts, um, and connect you with some of our online teachers. We also need people that want to offer programming. Uh, if you've got a skill set, we have uh, converted the theater into a studio and have all the live streaming equipment so you can schedule a time and you can come in and offer uh, a conversation online like this about poetry. We have a uh, teacher who's gonna do middle school science fiction writing class for, for kids. Uh, so if you've got a skill, we need that help to help bring us together as a community. Uh, if you've got a little time and want to assemble some things by yourself, socially distancing, we, we'll, we'll set up all the tools, you'll come in, 
We'll give you the instructions. You can help us do our outreach. Good. Thank you, Wayne. Ma'am Margaret? Yeah, so our families that are in need um, need food, they need household items like toilet paper, paper towels. There's a list of items on our website, uh, doorsofhopeoxford.org. Um, but we try to give them toiletries, anything that we can um, to help them. Uh, we have been sending them like Kroger cards or Amazon cards or, or anything like that that can help them get supplies as well. So um, anything that, that we can give the families that can help them get through this tough time, that's what we need. Thank you. Megan? Hey, so like everyone else, we need engagement as well. Um, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, recently, we had our school supply drive, um, which we always do each year, but we continue to supply those throughout the year. So we're always collecting those. And we added a portion last year, uh, it's called Fresh, and it's basically personal hygiene items. Um, which we all know is hard to come by sometimes right now. So we're, we'll be asking for donations online um, through our social media with that. And if you um, don't have social media capabilities, we, are, we have an email address too that can be found on our website to reach out to us. And then of course, um, there's always need for funding for our projects that we do throughout the year. Great, thank you. Sarah? No, Sarah then, Norris, we'll go there, yeah. We've been fortunate that during the, um, the quarantine, the Dolly Parton Imagination Library books have continued to ship out every month. And so this is something that we are normally out at different venues registering families for, but unfortunately we're, we're unable to do that. So if there are families in Lafayette County with children birth to age five, we just want to get the word out, you know, please let us know and we will register your child for a book. And these books are birth to age five. They receive a book every month. And um, so that's something we just want to continue to get the word out. You know, these books are free and we love to get them out into the community. And something else that the community um, could do is we're always looking for new books or very, very gently used books for kids. We have um, started giving these out on Tuesday nights at More Than a Meal, where we also give out toiletries to families, which is something, you know, Mary Margaret, you can let your um, families know. It's just a great way where we're seeing people and so the Literacy Council is able to give out books there and we also give toiletries as well. So if anyone wanted to do a little book drive in the community, that would be great. Great, thank you. Norris, yeah. All right, as always, you know, finances are our are, are main concern making, uh, to assist us in, in making sure that we have all the necessities to maintain a safe, clean and sanitary environment. We're having to buy, um, uh, on soap, sanitizing, wipes, and things of that nature. And then, um, as, as always throughout the year, we need school supplies to be able to reach the ones that are able to come as well as the ones that were not able to come because of the because of the guideline stipulation. We still reach out to them to make sure that they have all, all the necessities and things that they may need on a day-to-day -day basis. But, um, so, um, but the support has been tremendous so far. Just continue to, to be that beacon of hope for, an, uh, for our children, not only our children, but children of, of Oxford County. 
Great. Thank you. Betsy? Um, like everyone else, as a small nonprofit organization, we always have pressing financial needs. Um, but an important way the community can help support what we're doing is to just simply come on Tuesday afternoons from 3 to 6.30 and buy a little something from some of the wonderful farmers and food producers that our organization is supporting. So real simple, couple dollars, get some tomatoes, support a farmer. Um, and then additionally, uh, while, while you're there shopping, we have opportunity for customers to donate to our weekly fresh food drive where we send uh, really good healthy farmers market food to the pantry every Wednesday morning. Great. Thank you all for sharing your needs. I'd love to get that message out to everyone. Agreed. Uh, we know this has been a tough season for many of you. And uh, as someone put it earlier, you've been doing more work with less resources. So thank you so much for sharing and opening up. Uh, we want to kind of wrap up the evening with a question about the future. What does the future hold? What are you most excited about in the coming months, uh, years ahead. We'll start with Alice. Thanks. We're excited for the fall season. Uh, what this pandemic has brought to us, one of the upsides is able, we're able to engage with uh, a different wider set of artists and musicians and book writers who may not have been able to come during a live performance. So we're engaging with a, a different, broader base of artists. So that's exciting. And then we're excited for the next 25 years. We're looking forward to our 25th anniversary coming up next year. And, uh, you know, we think that we've been able to pivot in a way that is producing a pretty good radio show. So we've got a real supportive board and staff, band and crew that are all behind this effort. We know that this is not something we wanted to see happen. happen. You know, live shows are our bread and butter, but we've been able to continue with the show, um, make a great show, and that's what we're looking forward to, fall season. Great. Megan. Um, so I think this uh, pandemic has opened our eyes to see that some of our projects needed uh, refreshing, um, which is great. So it's got our wheels turning and getting more involved with different areas of the community and seeing different needs. So I'm excited about that, as I know our other members are as well. Um, for instance, we transitioned our virtual uh, art, art print where we describe prints in the, um, that in the schools from like history prints, we changed that to a virtual art print where we feature local artists and we've done that on our social media. And I think things like that, that we can continue to transition and involve more people. Um, also just listening to this group talk got me excited because I, um, I see people that we should be partnering with and reaching out to do things together. So I think that um, even though it's hard times, it's great because it's got all of our, um, ideas flowing. So it's exciting. Yolanda. 
I think we're excited about how many families we're going to be able to reach. This program, I'm so passionate about, guys. I am beyond passionate about this LINK program because I know all of the resources that we have that we can link families to. So we're excited to see how many families we're going to reach and what this program can do. And then we're excited to educate families on self-care and self-control, especially during the crisis that we're dealing with right now because it's so important for our families to know that we have to take care of self first because if we're not good, then our families can't be good and what comes after that is not good. So I think we're just excited about reaching out, touching families, linking them to those mental health resources that are out there. It's so many resources out there that I didn't, that I wasn't even aware until the crisis actually happened. So we're just excited about the future, about touching those families. Your excitement is contagious. I hear that a lot. <laughs> Wayne. Uh, so what we were able to do and what we're excited about is uh, when this did hit, we switched to a digital format uh, and streamed material. We started something called Stay at Home Fest. Uh, and then we reached out to arts councils across the state. Uh, it became Stay at Home Fest Mississippi as Starkville, Tupelo, Cleveland, Greenville, I'm missing one, Columbus, um, all joined together. We all started providing the same content. They followed our format of service to the community and employing uh, artists and restaurant employees who had been impacted. Uh, so for the first time, you had small independent organizations who knew their community and were serving their communities, collaboratively working together to give the message of, of the power of Mississippi, uh, the voice of Mississippi, and uh, why our, 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 our state is so unique. Uh, so I see this as unfortunate tragedy bringing together groups that hopefully going forward will continue these partnerships uh, and strengthen uh, and bring more people to our state and help them realize how unique, uh, diverse, and powerful our state is. Betsy. Well, we're, we're really excited that we're still operational and have been able to stay open every week as an essential service to our community. Uh, one thing that was sort of born out of our response to the pandemic was developing an online farmers market, which has really done wonders for our farmers sales. Um, some are reporting stronger sales than this time last year. So um, as a service to them, we're really, really proud of that. And um, it's been super popular. So I anticipate that we will continue it beyond the pandemic to increase their revenues. Um, and then the next thing that I'm really excited about is we have increased our ability to serve families in need with uh, market fresh gift cards and vouchers so that families who may be having challenges putting healthy food on the table because of economic barriers can um, receive these gift cards and vouchers and come and select food that they know their families will enjoy and have access to the kind of food we think, you know, should be available to everyone. So if there's anyone on this call who knows who those families might be, please reach out to me and we'll get them fixed up. Great. Denise. Um, it's, it's very sad to say, but with everybody talking, you know, the going virtually has really opened up our eyes to, to different ways to communicate. And oftentimes with our young mothers, it's hard to get them in one place because of life. And now we just, you know, get on a Zoom call or we get on a FaceTime. And so we're excited that we're now really, really implementing that. And uh, we were able 
again, good and bad, able to, to pick up some new clients, but we're helping them. And that has just been wonderful that they reached, they reached out to us. So that was nice. And we'll be expanding our program and we are turning a new program, Stan, our bear. We are, uh, we usually bring him into the schools, but now we're going to do videos. So the anti-bullying and the child abuse prevention information will be getting out there. And we're just excited about revamping and, and widening our scope for the future. So. Well, thank you. Matt. Well, I'm excited for a couple reasons. Um, we have uh, grown and expanded our reach so much. We are usually just five days uh, in March, and now we have year-long content available to all of the people out there stuck at home, or we have a place for you to go if you want to go and be entertained safely. Um, we, the fall season, I'm really excited about uh, because we're able to program classic movies such as Dirty Dancing, which brought people out of the woodwork to come see the movies. And then we're having a new movie uh, like about Nikola Tesla. It's a premiere um, that they just released that we get to be a part of. And a lot of uh, hopefully great partnerships that are coming in the future that we can't announce yet, but are going to be super exciting. So, um, And then it makes me excited to see the smiling faces leaving uh, and waving to us as they as they uh, go home from a good night of entertainment probably some of those people haven't been out of the house in months uh, so um, hopefully we can see you guys out there and put the same excitement on your face yes norris all right we look to maintain the excitement that you know we've always had when it comes to our children you know, and I, I, I use our motto that we, we love you to enable all young people to reach their full potential as productive, caring, responsible citizens. So um, being that beacon of hope for young people such as Braylon Robertson and, and the list goes on and on, um, the young people that, that we, try to, we try to reach out to and being that, uh, uh, providing that educational uh, environment, that recreation environment, a lot of them want um, may get at home, they may not get at home, but you, you still, you know, you can never have too much support. So I, I strongly believe in supportive relationships. Uh, uh, in my children, you see that they'll, they'll tell you that, you know, and I always tell them it goes beyond the four walls. What are you doing outside of the four walls? You know, you can tell a child every day that you believe in them and they can do whatever they put their, set their mind to do. But what are you doing as an individual to, to show that you genuinely care about them? And so I, I'm, I'm excited about the direction the club is headed and I'm excited about uh, children in general. Uh, so, and I'm excited about the continuous partnership with so many of you all that, that we've established that with. So uh, the future looks bright. The future looks bright. What's some great words as we wrap up? Well, thank you all so very much. <clears throat> what an inspiration. I mean, in such a time of tremendous hardship, how powerful is it to see the ways in which you all as individuals and organizations have innovated, have pivoted, have served even greater needs in a time of greater need for our community, have transformed yourselves in many ways to extend your programming, to reach people you may never have reached before. We hope that our listeners are as inspired as I know myself and Jody and Aaron are right now. And for those of you who heard this podcast or you saw this video today, share it with your friends. Our nonprofit leaders need your help, our community, needs your help and together we can do great things and we don't have to look any further than the 15 leaders on this call. 
I want to kick it back over to Loft Director Jody Holland to offer us a few closing comments. I just want to thank each and every one of you guys for being here, um, for applying for the grant uh, on the, this cycle. I, I hope we were there to serve many of you. Um, you know, we created the, the Night for Nonprofits years ago to connect the community with you guys and what you're doing in the in, in the in the uh, in the community in the county. We also did it because we wanted you guys to network among each other and figure out what you're doing. And I see that tonight. Um, and we wanted to raise some money is what we wanted to do. And, you know, it's been a unique year. Um, I love all this positivity about the future, especially from all the negativity we've heard over the last few months um, and the optimism here. And that's what you guys are about. That's what the inspiration of, of serving our community is in, in the hope that you, you put out in this community. And I just love being a part of that. And, uh, and thank you for, for being a part of this, uh, this process. So uh, another successful night for nonprofits this week but also remember, the, the viewing goes until 6 p.m. on Thursday, August the 20th. So the viewers out there need to know that a view equals a vote, and the organization with the most views wins a $1,000 grant from Loft. And I just checked this morning, it's a tight race. Um, so I, I encourage you to keep sharing, uh, keep sending it to your networks. I love all the newsletters y'all have attached it to. And just thank you for promoting us and being a partner with us. And, and thank you for what you do for this community. And thank you, Jody. Thank you to Loft for all the support you pr provide to so many organizations uh, for being such a wonderful leader in our midst. We deeply appreciate you and everything that you do as well. And to all of our listeners and viewers, please like this video, share it. Like our page, Office of Community Engagement. We're gonna tag each and every one of these nonprofit organizations on Facebook. We'll make sure you can access their websites so you can follow them on social media so that you can keep up with their outstanding work. As we move into this, one of the most memorable fall seasons we will all experience. So blessings to everyone and thanks once again to our nonprofit partners. Stay safe, stay engaged, and we'll see you next time on Community Chats. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi Office of Community Engagement and the Lafayette Oxford Foundation for Tomorrow. Tomorrow.